Hallelujah. All right, stand to your feet. Let's uh, grab our Bibles. I want to continue to pray this morning for, for uh, Howard Stahl. Many of you know that uh, Pat, uh, his wife, passed away just a few days ago. And um, she's joined that grandstand, that cloud of witnesses, and she's up there cheering us on. Amen. And what an incredible gift she is to the body of Christ. And uh, we just want to continue to pray for Howard, pray for Mickey and their and their brother, her brothers. Uh, the funeral is going to be on February the 27th. It's going to be a celebration service right here. It's going to be on Saturday the 27th at 11 a.m. And we're just going to celebrate the life and the legacy of an incredible woman of faith. And so we just thank God. Thank God for what she is, the deposit that she's had in this house. I mean, I told Howard just the other day, I said, you don't ever realize the impact that one person can have, because even Pat, his wife, was making an impact on my grandchildren. My grandchildren loved her, mainly because she brought candy. <laughs> and that was, that, that was the doorway to their heart. But every service, they would come up here. She would sit right there behind where Wayne is sitting in every service, Sunday morning or Tuesday night prayer. They'd come running to her, and they'd give her a great big old hug. Wow, we're going to miss that. Amen. All right, go with me to Isaiah, Isaiah 43, and uh, I'm just, then we're going to go back to 1 Kings. I'm just pushing on some things. As I've been telling you over the last several weeks, this will be our fourth message in this particular series, and uh, I started out by telling you I'm not, I'm not trying to be um, politically correct. I'm not trying to appease anybody's own appetite or mind. God gives me certain directions to preach in, and I just stay with it until I feel breakthrough. Thank y'all three of y'all. The rest of y'all are still, that's why I'm preaching it. <laughs> You're not in breakthrough yet. <laughs> so I just keep pressing on it. You know, uh, Vanessa said a while ago, we're not going to be a silent church. A silence is a sign of defeat. And one of the spirits that's been released over our nation, as she said, even at the spirit of fear, but one of the spirit that's been released over our nation is a spirit to silence the church. You think this censorship is just about politics. No, it's ultimately about causing the church's voice to become silent. That's why in this house, whoo, Lord and mercy, in this house you ought to just throw a praise up anyhow. You ought to just shout amen anyway. Because it drives demons crazy. It really does. It drives the powers of hell crazy. And I just believe that God is raising up a house in the Glades region that's going to have monumental impact, not only in this region, but in parts of the world. I was uh, praying a couple weeks ago. This is when how a lot of this began to get birth in me, this particular message. And... Uh, I've never had this before. I, I had this dream or vision, whatever you want to call it. It's probably a dream because the Bible says even your old men will have dreams. So I guess I'm in that category now according to the Bible. But the um, God dropped a burden on my heart, not only for the local church, but a burden for our nation. And if the church becomes silent, we'll lose the freedoms that we so enjoy. But I believe God's raising up a people 
God's raising up a voice. God's raising up a voice. And I believe out of that voice, it's not going to be an echo. It's going to be a voice. It's going to be the voice of the Lord thundering through his people. And the powers of hell are going to be shaken. And we're going to see the, the most monumental revival that the world has ever seen. I don't know about you, but I believe it could start right here in Sugartown. I believe it can. I believe it can. So go with me to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, just a real familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to work around it a little bit today to hopefully get into it. Isaiah 43, verse number 18. It says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. For behold, I will do something new. Somebody shout new. He said, Behold, I'm going to do something new, and now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Notice that God is going to do something new, and it's about to spring forth. That word spring forth literally means a shift in time. There's something shifting in the atmosphere of our dwelling, in the time in which we're living, and God is about ready to birth some new things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. I'm going to wait on a loud church. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Something new. Somebody shout something new. All right, now let's go to 1 Kings. This is our main text here. I'm picking on a spirit today. I'm after a spirit. I'm not after a person. I'm after a spirit. It's amazing what we permit is what we receive from. I mean, you can permit a wrong spirit around you long enough, next thing you know, you start receiving from that spirit. 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse number 5. Now, Adoniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and a horseman with 50 men to run before him. Look with me in verse number 7. And he had conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abathar, the priest, and following Adoniah, they helped him. Verse number 8. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adoniah. And we'll drop down to verse number 11. Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adoniah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David, our Lord, does not know it. So now come, please, let me give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not heard, my Lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then doth Adoniah become king? One translation says, why then doth Adoniah reign? Verse number 33, just skipping around a little bit. Then the king said to them, take with you the servants of, of your Lord and have the son of Solomon, my son Solomon, ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel and blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon, and you shall come up after him, and you shall come and sit on my, on my throne. 
and be king in my place, for I have appointed him to be the ruler over Israel and Judah. He said, I've appointed him to be the ruler over Israel and Judah. Now look with me in chapter 2, verse number 12, one little verse. And Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. His kingdom was firmly established. I've been talking to you about this will be the fourth message on overcoming the spirit of Adoniah. High five about three people and tell them there's a Solomon company coming. Just tell them there's a Solomon company that's coming. Come on, just put it into the atmosphere. Shake somebody real good and tell them we're about to get some things established around here. Come on, tell them some things are about to get established around here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to wait on a loud church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a company coming. There's a company coming. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher. You're the revelator. You're the revealer of all truth. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you for those that have gathered in person, those that are watching online. Thank you today that you would open up our hearts, deposit in us exactly what it is that you're saying to the church. Lord, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for everything that you're about to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Porter. In the name of the Lord. There's a company of people that's emerging right now that I believe that's going to have the reign of Solomon in the earth. It's a generation, in my opinion and estimation of what I see prophetically, what I hear God saying in the situations that we're in right now, I believe it's a company of people that has refused to be defined or influenced by the things of this world. It's a company of people who have a heart towards the things of God. It's going to be a company of people who are sold out to the things of God. We've seen in times past what wrong leadership and positions of authority can do whenever, whenever their appetite or their agenda of man rules against the agenda of God. Every generation is defined by the people who are in positions of leadership. And those people that are in leadership define the way we live our lives. Every generation is defined by those people in authority. And those are, who are in authority define the way we live our lives. And in our text today, I'm going to get somewhere, but just let me just build this a little bit more foundation to where I want us to go this morning. In our text today, we find where King David's reign is literally coming to an end. And there's about to be this shift of power. There's about to be this shift of authority that's going to be released over Israel. And a new authority was about to emerge in that generation. But before Solomon can be set, before Solomon can be established, uh, there's this gap. That's what Pastor Vanessa was saying a while ago. There's, there's a gap. We've got to be people qualified to deal with the gap. Before Solomon could be put in place, there's this gap that stands between the former move of God and the new move of God. Somebody shout, he's going to do something new. 
There, there's this gap between what God has done and what God is about to do. And in this gap, Adoniah steps in and he begins to exalt himself to the throne. And the question was asked, if Solomon is supposed to be king, then why does Adoniah reign? If Solomon was the one appointed by David, then why is it that Adoniah is king? Why is it that Adoniah is reigning? The battle, you have to know this this morning, the battle that is taking place in the earth right now is the battle for authority. It's the battle over who is going to be in charge. It's the battle over who is going to be in control. And both God and Satan, both of them know and understand that the authority in the earth is always released through people. God knows that and the devil knows that. So whenever God wants something done on the earth, he uses people. Whenever the enemy wants something done on the earth, he uses people. Because authority is released through people. And all authority, all authority is directed and determined by those in charge. Hmm. All authority is directed and determined by those in leadership. Those who we follow and those who get elevated. Whoever is in charge ultimately determines something about our way of life. Push on somebody, but tell them God's about to do a new thing. Yes, he is. Just track with me for a few moments. And in this gap, we're being confronted and with a threat that's bigger than all of us put together. It's a threat that has positioned itself into place without proper permission. And the agenda of an Adonijah spirit is to exalt wrong authority, wrong ideologies, wrong leadership into positions so that it can occupy space and time, so that it can begin to put its influence into a generation. Now, how many know, how many know that what happens in one generation, it may take the next generation two or three generations down the road to wash it out? Because whatever gets established begins to gain momentum. That's why the Bible says that, 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 that the blessings of a righteous man will last down to the thousandth generation. It begins to pick up momentum. There, there's something about momentum in the realm of the spirit, good or bad. It picks up momentum. So the agenda of Adoniah, Adoniah is to occupy time and space and give its ideologies, its, its, its way of life, into the leaderships that has been chosen so that it can begin to determine the outcome of your life. It's quiet in this Presbycostal church, but I'm going to keep working anyway. There are powers. Now, I'm not, please don't put me in a political category because that ain't just what I'm talking about. There are powers sitting in position of authority right now, and that could be in your life. There are powers sitting in authority right now that looks like they got the upper hand, but God ain't through with what he started. No, he ain't. And God, we understand it for the last several, three or four weeks, God has the ability to raise one up and pull another one down. Promotion doesn't come from the north or the south, the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. 
And God has this thing about him that's called sovereignty. And God has a sovereign timetable in which he will intervene in the affairs of human history. God will bring judgment and intervene on humanity when he wants to. <laughs> and when he gets ready to promote, can't nobody stop it. When he gets ready to pull something down, can't nobody stop it. Because promotion doesn't come from man. Man can only acknowledge what God has put his hand on. Hallelujah. So I'm just trying to tell you, right now in the earth, and though it don't look like a whole lot is happening in the body of Christ in America, there is a movement going on in the realm of the remnant of people that have chosen to serve their God with all of their heart, and they don't have the agenda of men tied to them, but they have the purposes of God resonated inside of them. And they just believe that we have been put on this planet for such a time as this so that the generation that's at hand, we have something to say about what God wants to do in this generation. Come on, push on somebody and tell them God's going to do something new. The spirit of Adonai is about to be brought down. I'm telling you, just in this nation and in our lives, the spirit of Adonai is about to come off of his throne. There is a new move that's being established, and there is a new group of people. There's a Solomon company that's rising in the earth who has the ability to hear what heaven is articulating, who has enough faith on the inside of them to believe what it is that heaven is saying, and they're not determined by what people say. It's not determined by what people think. They're not moved by what others feel about them, but they have a resolve in their heart that they believe that the word of the Lord is in their mouth and they believe that when they begin to rise up and declare, that's why the church can't be silent. You got to begin to put the word of the Lord back into the atmosphere and the arenas of your life so that we can begin to do battle against the powers and the strongholds that be. God's about to do a new thing. Do not call to, call to mind the former things because God's going to do a new thing. Adonijah said it this way. He said, I'm going to be king. He was promoting his own agenda. He was promoting his own authority when he had no authority. It's the same thing that the devil did in Isaiah chapter 14. The Passion Translation says that the devil said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above God. I will rule on the mountain of the congregation, and I will rival the Most High God. But then you get down to verse number 15, but God begins to respond to what the devil said he was going to do. He says, but oh, how you have fallen into the depths of the pit. Because God knows how to raise one up, and he knows how to put one down. Because God knows how to bring people into places of authority, and God knows how to pull people out of the places of authority. And when the enemy said, I will raise my throne above God's throne, God said, watch. I'm just trying to tell you, every spirit that's trying to raise itself against the knowledge of God and above the things of God, God is just sitting back and saying, watch, because when my people get lit, when my people get on fire, when my people understand their, their anointing, when my people begin to realize their purpose in the earth, can't no devil in hell stop them, can't no power stop them, can't no ruling government stop them, can't no authority on earth bind them, because when the people of God begin to understand that we have a mission, we have an assignment, and that is to give birth to the things of God. Because God's going to do a new thing. 
So in our text, it comes to us like this. David is coming to the end of his rulership, his reign. And in our text, David is an Old Testament type or a picture of Christ. This will be on the screen for you. Adonai represents the spirit of our age. Adonai represents the value systems of mainstream culture. Adonai represents worldly affairs. Solomon comes to us. This will be on the screen. He represents to us a son, a true son, with the heart of a father. Solomon is a picture of the church. Adonai is a picture of the world. Looks like the world's getting the upper hand on it. But there's a true son called the church. <clears throat> Come on, I got to feel a little bit more excitement in you than that. There's a true church that's rising that says we have been born for this hour. We have been born to rule and reign with him in heavenly places. And what's trying to emerge it right now, right now, and I, I'm just going to pick on America because most of the world is already partly in revival. America is the one that's not in revival. America is the one that's staggering and stumbling because the church has become weak. The church has become indifferent. The church has become cold. And let me just say it like I heard the Holy Ghost say it. The church is full of compromise and mixture, but there's a remnant inside the compromise. There's a remnant inside the mixture that says we're not just going to go through life and let wrong leadership overthrow us, but we believe we have been purposed for this hour. And what's trying to emerge in this generation is a bride. It's the church that carries the heart of a father. It's the true sons of God. What's emerging in this generation is the true people of God, not part-time believers, not part-time Christians, but people who are sold out to the things of God. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let me just throw it to you this way. If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, then you're probably not a son of God. Because only the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And what God is doing, oh, Lord, I'm going to preach this thing in a minute. Just help me. Let, me. let me get there. What God is doing, he's raising up a true picture of what that bride looks like, somebody who is devoted to the Father, somebody whose heart is towards the Father, and they're not part-time believers when they need something. They don't treat God like a Santa Claus and just go to him when they want something, but there's a heart after God. There's a heart to serve God. They don't just come to church and fold their hands and worship. They don't sit in the back of their chairs and just wonder when the service is going to get to 12 o'clock, but they engage in the participation of the movement of the Spirit of God. And when you have people that can recognize that they are being led by the Spirit of God, there is a true birth of the missions and the purposes of God that are growing in this planet. And when God gets through birthing what he's birthed, everything around us is going to shift. Everything around us is going to change. I'm trying to tell you, there is a nation at stake. There is a country at stake. There there is a region at stake, and God's going to have a people. Woo! I'm going to preach in a minute, but God's going to have a people who understand that I have been born into the kingdom of God to move the anointing of God into my generation. The battle that's being waged right now is over authority. That's what's being waged in your life right now. That's why you're tempted with fleshly things. That's why you're still hooked on porn. 
You got to say amen. I'm preaching. That's why you're still cussing. That's why you still don't really want to come to church. You're almost made. That's why your wife has to shake you to get you up. All right. All right. Y'all get quiet on me, and I'm going to hunt harder. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I watched it a little bit now. I'm not going to pick on nobody in particular other than you. I looked around in a room while ago, and I felt God's presence heavy in here, and, and people were totally disengaged. And I thought, what does it take to move you into a movement of God when God is right here among us? And, and, and I, I'm just th- I just start thinking, like, we live in the freest nation in the world. We live where we have unhindered worship and fellowship. And we come into a church setting like this where the power of God is trying to move in people's lives. And all you got to do every now and then just go, hey, I feel it, amen, participate. All you got to do is dive in a little bit. Next thing you know, he'll come rushing in like a flood. But what we have, we have apathy in the American church. We have this compromise in the American church because we come to church like we go to the world. What can you do for me? What can I get from you? Rather than me coming into the house of God and saying, God, what can I do for you? What can I offer you today? How much of my life can I give you today? How much of a sacrifice can I offer you today? Push on somebody and tell them, I know he's right about it. I know he's right about it. And I don't need your amens to confirm that. I know what I'm talking about right there because atmosphere is everything. How is it that God can be so good to you, but you can't even give God nothing back except for when you want something? When you need a healing, you'll stand up front and you'll worship. When you need a healing, you'll throw your hands up and you'll cry out to God. But when everything in your life is good, you got good money, you got a good job, you got money in the bank. When everything's right, you just act like you don't need God right now. But then you want to call on him like a vending machine. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not a part of the remnant. That's not the church that God is raising up. There's going to be a people so madly in love with the things of God that God don't ever have to do another thing in my life. He don't have to bless me one more time. All I have to do is just find a place where I can say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus. Jesus, I worship you. Thank you for everything you've ever done in my life. Come on, tell somebody he's going to do a new thing. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So this is what I've been working on. The, 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 The battles of our life come at strategic moments. Anytime something is trying to emerge, there are critical moments that begin to occur, right? This is what we've been talking about. This won't be new to you. Critical moments occur when something is about to be born. Uh, that's when the criti- critical moments occur when something is about to be born. That's one of them. When Moses was being born, there was a movement to kill the babies because the devil don't like deliverers. Moses was called to deliver a nation. You wonder why all the hell is going on in your life? You're called to deliver a nation. Critical moments occur when Jesus was being born. There was a movement to kill all the babies in Jesus' day because the devil don't like deliverers. At the birthing of something great, there are critical moments. Then we understood a couple weeks ago, maybe last week a little bit, we understood that critical moments happen when things are being developed. When things are being developed, it becomes a critical moment. When something is being developed, I mean, you know, you got to put them in the right, around the right people, the right atmosphere. You got you to train people how to be around people who are not like them. 
Thank God for Pook and Annie. But I'll tell you something, God will put you in places that don't sound like you. And how many know that sometimes God will put people in your life that don't even, well, let me say it this way. God will put people in your life that won't have halos. God will put a Saul in your life, David, so that you don't become one. God will put somebody in your life that will chase you and haunt you for 14 years, even though you've been anointed to be king. God will put somebody in your life just to harass you so that you'll wake up one day and you'll realize, I'm not going to be like them. That ain't who I'm going to be like. I'm not gonna, I, I, may be, I may be running from them, but I'm not going to be running like them. So it's critical moments when things are being developed. But the other critical moment is when something is about to be established, when something is coming into its place of authority. Yeah. Something is about to come into its place of dominion. That's when the battle begins to get heated up. That's why whenever you start feeling resistance in the realm of the spirit, you have to ask yourself, is something being born? Is something being developed? Or is something about to be established? Whew. If it's being born, you got to hide it. You got to protect it. You got to nurture it. If it's being developed, you got to mentor it. You got to father it. You got to surround it. If it's being established, there needs to be a transference of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Then there has to be this gathering of strength to usher in what God wants to do. So let me just break it down a little bit like this. So here comes Jesus. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. We know that he came to save us. We got that portion of it. But he also came to establish the kingdom of God. He said, I came to save that which was lost. Not only was mankind lost, but the world was lost. Things in the world was lost. Systems were gone. So Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. The only way into this kingdom that he came to establish is that you had to be born into it. Amen? Where's all my amens at? Jesus told one of the most learned men of his day, Nicodemus, he said, the only way you get into this kingdom, Nick, is you got to be born again. Nicodemus was a leading Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He knew everything about Scripture, the law. But Jesus said, I'm telling you something new. I'm going to show you something new. And what I'm telling you about, you don't get into this kingdom with a former mindset. You don't move into the things of God thinking like you did yesterday. Because the way you get into this kingdom is you must be born again. He came to give birth, hang on now, to a movement. He came to give birth to a movement through his people. We're not waiting on Jesus to do anything. He's waiting on the church to respond what he's already established. And when the church responds to what already has been put in place, what, with what already has been set and established with authority, when the church begins to recognize we have already won the battle, we have already beat the enemy, we have already overcome the enemy, then you begin to live your life and you begin to exercise authority over the powers of hell. Amen. So, so when Jesus went to the cross, I'm just going to break it down a little bit further. When Jesus went to the cross, there were three crosses, right? You had, the, you, had, you had a thief on the left, and you have a thief on the right, 
and Jesus was in the middle. There was three crosses on that hill that day. One on the left hand side of him and one on the right hand side of him. And Jesus hung in the middle. The cross on one side represented Adam. And Jesus said to that man, that thief, because he cried out to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Because Adam, that cross represents Adam, because Adam fell from his place, because Adam fell from his estate, when that thief died, they broke his legs. Signifying the fall of humanity. The cross on the other side represents Satan, the accuser of the brethren. When that man died, they broke his legs, signifying how Satan fell from his place. Y'all going to catch me in a minute. Signifying how Satan fell from his estate, from his place of occupation. But when they came to that middle cross, when they came to the son of the living God, they did not break his legs because prophecy had already said not one bone of his body shall be broken because Jesus didn't fall from anything. He stepped out of heaven and into the earth as the seed of God, as the humanity of man, so that he might redeem a world that has lost its ever-living mind. So he stepped out of eternity and prophecy said, you won't break his legs because he didn't fall from nothing. He stepped out of the throne room of heaven, became the seed of man, and put himself into the planet so that he could be born of a virgin, so that he could come into this planet to redeem what has been stolen. Push on somebody and tell them God's going to do something new now. He's going to do something new. Yeah. Then they pierced him. In his side, and blood mingled with water came out. Any woman who's ever had a baby will tell you that's the elements of a birth. Y'all are not hearing me in the spirit. Jesus came to give birth to something. So the seed of God, Jesus, went into the belly of the earth. Did he not say, just as it was in the days of Jonah, Jonah was in that belly of that well for three days and three nights. And so shall the Son of Man be in the earth for three days and three nights. But he's coming up out of that earth because grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't defy him. And he's letting the hell know that you don't have power over me. I've got power. No man takes my life, but I willingly lay it down. And if I lay it down, this one commandment I have received from my Father, he gave me power to lay it down, and he gave me power to pick it back up again. Oh, my Lord, I'm about ready to throw this mic. Because God's doing a new thing. Something's about to, to be born. Babies, naturally speaking, babies are formed inside out and born upside down. <laughs> I just asked my wife all ago before I came up here, I said, do you know that when you were carrying or when you when a pregnant woman, the baby's head is up here? Y'all know that? baby's head is facing up. But when it gets born, 
It's upside down. Mm. Wish I had a Hammond B3 right there. Four weeks after conception, probably going to butcher this word, the, the, the neural tube of the woman closes and the brain and the spinal cord is developed on a baby. Five weeks, one week after the fourth week of conception, five weeks, the brain is growing and the head begins to grow to give definition to the face. And then right before that baby is born, it's right side up, about 28 or 30 weeks into the pregnancy in the third trimester, that baby shifts. And the head goes into the birth canal. Some of y'all need to Google that because y'all look like y'all don't believe me. <laughs> you need to Google it. Why do you know that? <laughs> I know you didn't, Hoss. That's why I'm telling you. The head goes into the birth canal. The first thing formed is the first thing that's born. The first thing that was formed when the, when the neural tube begins to close, the brain and the spinal cord is developed, but it's up here. But right before the moment of birth, there's a shift. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing, and it's about to shift. I'm trying to tell you the church has been in one position, but there's another position. And the church is being shifted into something different. Ah. It, 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 Jesus turned his tomb into a womb. And on the third day, the Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, on the third day, the earth had become pregnant with God's seed. And the stone was rolled away. And what was in that tomb came out head first. Oh, Lord. What was in that tomb? How many know that Jesus is the head? What was in that tomb, he came out head first. Jesus is the head. What's true of Jesus is true of the body. Ah! So if the head came out, guess what? The body's about to come out. If the head came out first, that's the indication that there's something greater coming. There's something more powerful coming that's about to be born. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. The head came out of the womb. Jesus is the head. Not you. Not governments. Not men. Not laws, not legislation. Jesus is the head. Whoever agrees or disagrees, he is still the head. <laughs> so the head came out. Now over the years in the body, we've been able to get the shoulders out. We've been able to get the torso out. We've been able to get the legs out. But we're about to get the feet out. <laughs> the feet are about to come out. The final 
generation will be the feet generation. It's the generation, watch me now, that's going to put Satan under their feet. I'm telling you, it looks like the devil's been ruling and reigning and having his day, but there's about to be the rest of the birth. The rest of the birth that God started 2,000 years ago in his seed, his son, Jesus Christ, is about to give full birth to what is coming out of that womb. And ladies and gentlemen, we're about to turn our tomb into a womb, and we're about to give birth to the greatest monumental move of God that this planet has ever seen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So let me just work it out like this. So, guys, I, maybe I get Psalms 110. Did I give you that, Ariana? Psalms 110, verse number 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That's the Father talking to the Son. God the Father talking to his Son, Jesus. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make, not ask, Come on, y'all got it's a definite article. Till I make your enemies a footstool. For what? For your feet. The Lord says to my Lord, come sit at my right hand until I make your enemies become your footstool. At your feet. Next verse says, and the Lord will stretch forth. Your strong scepter from Zion. Zion in the Old Testament is the New Testament church. So let's read it the way God put it in there. The Lord will stretch forth his strong scepter from the church. Saying this, rule in the midst of your enemies. Y'all not helping me up in here. He said you're going to rule in the midst of your enemies. And look what he says, and your people will volunteer freely in that day of your power. Whew. You know why the American church is not moving like it should be? It's because we don't have enough volunteers. Because we're trying to get something from God rather than doing something for God. He said, I'm going I'm to make your enemies your footstool. Anybody ever, when I was growing up, my mom and dad, they had a chair and they had a footstool. Now they're all built in one, you know, like a recliner. You know, your legs go out, right? Back in those days, you had a chair and then you had a, a footstool. And the reason why you put your foot on a stool is because you're resting. And what is on that stool is under your feet. That's the picture of the church. Why are we fighting what we already have victory over? We got victory over sin. Got three amens over here. The rest of y'all need some victory. We got victory over sickness and disease. But yeah, we're going to fight it. No, just put your feet up. It's already been conquered. Jesus already dealt with it. What's true of Jesus is true of you. Doesn't the Bible teach us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's going to quicken your mortal body? Does not the Bible teach us that we are seated with him in heavenly places? 
Does not your Bible, does not Ephesians tell us that, that we are seated with him in heavenly places far above all might, all power, all rule, and all dominion? So we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So if it's under his feet, it's got to be under my feet. Whatever he's conquered, I've already conquered. Whatever he's done, I've already done in the spirit. Now I got to take what's been done in the spirit. I got to pull it out of a realm that you can't see and put it into a realm that you can see and let the devil know you don't get this victory. You don't get this child. You don't get this marriage. You don't get this church. You don't get this region. And you don't get my nation. Oh, my Lord, I could run around this church. Because God is doing something new. Now, watch this. The birth process is not complete until the umbilical cord is detached. Hmm. I didn't know y'all came to church to get a teaching on women having babies. He said, you get, Isaiah said, you got to forget the former things. Embrace the new that God's bringing to you. Some people can't experience what God has in their new because they're still attached to what they had. Mm-hmm. They're still attached to what used to sustain them. I don't want you to cut my cord. I like the world I was in. Can you imagine a baby saying that? And they probably are. That's why they're crying when they come out. You have just introduced me into something I'm not familiar with. You have brought me into a realm that I know nothing about. And and the doctor said, I'm going to make it worse for you. Cry if you want to. Snip. I came today with my surgical gloves for somebody in this house. I'm going to be your Holy Ghost doctor for just a few moments. You've been crying about something that you had. You've been crying about something that you long for. But I'm telling you, God is about to cut the umbilical cord because he has something new for your life. And if you back up, you're going to be out of the move of God. If you back up, you're going to miss what God has in the new promotion that he's about to give you. Come on, push on somebody and tell him it's a new thing. It's a new thing. <laughs> Thank God for what we had. Thank God for where we came from, but keep on coming. <laughs> Thank God for your roots, but let them get down and grow a tree so you can have some fruit. Because he's establishing a new day. Shame on you being a Christian for 25 years and you struggling over the same thing you got delivered from. You know what the problem is? You ain't got your roots down. You're a superficial believer. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking about you. He's just talking to everybody that's listening. (laughs) In this generation, the Spirit of God is releasing something new. And my time is over. I can't believe that. Is that really right? Did y'all change that clock? Is it really 12 o'clock? I just looked at it. Oh, my Lord. How unfair is that? Is it really 12 o'clock? What time I start? Like 11.45? <laughs> Golly. Oh, man. I'm about to get to the good stuff. 
Lord of mercy. I feel, I feel we got to divide a church like we got to divide a nation. Go, no, don't, don't say that. Don't give, don't give him encouragement. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't realize it was that way. How do you land a plane when you're still flying in the middle of where you're going? This battle that's waging in our world right now is not over our past. It's over our future. And that's why the intensity has picked up. Listen, you got to be honest. I've been a Christian since I was 12 years old. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 12 years old. I've never walked away from God since the age of 12. I'm not saying I was perfect. But, but I've never walked away from God. I've had a heart for God since I was 12 years old. And in the history of my life with Jesus, I've never felt the intensity of the battles like I feel right now. And I can only go back to what I know. The, 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 the enemy is not fighting me over where I came from. God's cutting that in biblical cord. I'm not going back into the womb. I'm not going back into the tomb no more than Jesus is going back into the tomb and no more than he's going back into the womb. So that battle is not over my past. The battle that's in my life is over my future. And the reason why the enemy is fighting the church in America like he is today is because he knows if the church wakes up, if the church becomes awakened, there will be a force on this planet like nobody has ever seen. People, people, and we got Christians in the church like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I, I messed up 10. The devil, the devil's not after you what you did 10 years ago. That's a religious teaching. Well, I just keep struggling. It's because you're not a disciple. Somebody, did you say that? You're not a disciple. Because did not Jesus say, take up your cross and follow me? Your cross is what you bear. Your cross is your adversary. Your cross is your enemy. But you have to take up your cross and you follow Jesus. And he didn't say, I'm going to take you through some smooth gardens. I'm going to let you smell the roses. I'm going to take you through the mountaintops and give you all these glorious experiences. No, he's going to take you through a valley. He's going to take you through a thorn bush. He's going to take you through all kinds of things that the enemy's going to throw against you. But at the end of the day, you keep carrying your cross. You keep bearing the weight of why God saved you until you get to the end of your assignment. But in America, now I'm just, I'm just pick, I'm picking on the spirit, not you. I'm picking on the spirit that's in America because we want a safe Christianity. We want a Christianity with no burden. We want a Christianity with no rules. We want a Christianity where it makes everything feel good. God didn't save you to feel good. We want a Christianity that makes us happy. God didn't save you to make you happy. He saved you to make you holy. Oh, Lord. I can tell it's 1204. You done checked out. I done lost you. We're coming to a place. Come on, Pastor Porter. You might as well come on. I won't have to quit. We're coming to a place of authority. Come on, Solomon. That Adonai can't do nothing about it. I know he's exalted himself, 
but he can't stop what God's about to do. Because Adoniah was not set to be set. He was not established to be established. The Solomon Company's coming. And the battle is to keep the Solomon Company from reigning. Let me just break it down. Y'all got maybe five minutes. I know it's late. What else you going to do? <laughs> That's a dumb question. I'm going to go home and eat. Crazy thing. I know. I know some of y'all just beginning to wake up. Welcome back. It's almost 12. It is 12. You're awake. Just having fun. Sorry if it offends you. It's part of the problem. Watch a ball game for three hours. Get mad at the preacher because he's five minutes over. <laughs> so we got this gap. This is where I'm stuck at, okay? This is where I'm stuck in, in, in my delivery. This is what I feel pressing in to the church. We got this gap, and in this gap, people are telling the church what their role is. Like, like, like people who are not a part of the church are trying to define the church. So in this gap, they're trying to tell us how to worship. They're trying to tell us how to pray. They're trying to tell us how to gather. Here's the worst one. They're trying to tell us what to preach. And America has been so safe that we've just been so coddled that, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. There's a spirit of Adonijah that wants to take over your life. So that you got this gap, and people are trying to define us. So they put these questions on us like, what's the role of the church in government? Well, here's an answer for you. Whatever we want it to be. I can tell it's 12 6 because y'all ain't responding. Y'all like, like trying to get up out of here. Well, what's the role of the church in, 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 in education? Here's an answer. Whatever we want it to be. Well, what's the role of the church in business? Here's a good answer for you. Whatever we want it to be. What's the role of the church in politics? Here's a better answer. Whatever we want it to be because our king allows us to do what he's called us and commissioned us to do. So they say, all right, we're going to censor you. You can't censor us. Have you lost your mind? They said they're going to censor China. China, by 2030, the next nine years, China will have over 250 million born-again Christians. Hallelujah. Ah. Hallelujah. You're going to talk us out of saying what we believe? You have lost your mind. Islamic Iran has the fastest growing church in the world. There's revival breaking out in Iran. Remember our enemy, Iran? Over one million born-again believers in Iran. Islamic State ruled Iran happening right now. And you're going to censor us? 
Some of y'all just look at No, I'm trying to just you shut up so I can get up out of here. You're not going to keep us quiet. You're not going to keep the church quiet. You're not going to stop the move of God because we've been anointed to rule and reign with him. Been anointed. Well, we just, we want you to stay. We just want you to keep your distance. You know why they don't want us to talk about the preaching that we're called to do? Because it identifies their sin. The reason why governments are trying to shut the church down, because they don't want us to call them out on their own sin. You know where most of the racism in America is? It's in our government. That's where it's at. It's not, it's not, no, it's, it's in your news media. They put Fox against CNN and you choose one. That's where it's at. They're trying to shut us down. Some of y'all are like, well, I just, I, I'm, just, I just, I'm just trying to have a good day. Listen, I'm trying to tell you, you are in the middle of a fight and you're in this gap and Adonai is trying to reign and you better wake up. You're going to lose your children. You're going to lose your grandchildren. We don't want you pushing on us like that. Listen, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already geared up for it, okay? I realize we're going to be censored. Facebook is going to shut me off. Twitter's going to shut me out. But you know what? I really don't care. Because China don't have Facebook and China don't have Twitter. And you can't stop the gospel there. So I just suppose if God can move in China, he ought to be able to move in America. Well, I just I just wanna I just wanna come to church and drink my latte and eat my Krispy Kreme wannabe donut. And that's the problem. And I'm not against it. We redid our whole cafe just for you to enjoy your coffee. Hopefully it'll help you wake up. But we don't do it for your convenience only. We do it because we want to help people and we want to love people and we want to serve people. But at the end of the day, if we don't have coffee, if we don't have chairs, if we don't have lights, if we don't have air conditioning, I'm still going to give God a praise. You might as well stand. Come on, stand to your feet. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's right about it. Because we got to deal with comfortable Christianity. We got a whole generation. Let me just say it like this. There's a whole generation. Boy, I about fell. There's a whole generation of 20-something-year-olds who think serving God ought to be based out of a convenient theology. I was talking to Pastor Corey and Grace the other day. We were having lunch, and we just in minor discussion. Me and my wife was there with them. We were just talking about the mood of the young people and things like that. And, man, everything inside of me is just firing, you know, because I don't want to teach our kids to be safe. And, and I didn't say this to them, but I got home, and I was thinking about I remember when my girls were little, and I would put them up on a stage like this or higher, and I would get down here, and i say, Come on and jump to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say, I would say, jump. 
And you know what? Childlike faith. Now I can move over here and put them there and I'd say, jump. And they wouldn't respond. But if you put the Father in the right place, you can tell his kids, you can jump to me and I promise you, I'll do everything in my best ability to catch you. But we're teaching our kids saying, no, don't jump. Don't jump. Here, sit down. Roll over here into my arms and I'll help you. I know it's a crazy analogy. But we're teaching them to be safe when faith is risky. Faith is a risk. There's no guarantees for serving God other than you get eternal life. Well, I want a big bank account. I want a nice car. No, you're serving God because he's a good father. And if you'll leap into his arms, you'll do things you never thought you could do. preach next week I ain't there I'm gonna preach it they said well we don't want you in our school systems y'all heard me say it before I don't care we'll stay out if you stay out I'll send my kids to school if you'll teach them arithmetic scholastics teach them how to read teach them how to write I don't have a problem with my kids being taught the fundamentals or whatever but no we want to send them to you so that you can teach them how to experiment experiment experience sex toys you say is that I'm telling you it's time to get here it's already been pushed around by principles here but you know what? You'll send them like lambs to a slaughter because it's free. Y'all not saying nothing. We'll stay out of schools if you keep your transvestites out of our libraries. Quit telling my kids it's normal to have a sex change. We'll keep our kids out or we'll stay out. We'll stay out of schools. If you quit trying to enforce gender identity on my fifth grader. I'm just trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of an Ananias spirit. Already right now from the halls of Washington, legislation is being passed. Bills are being pushed. Executive orders are being overturned. You know why? It's not because they love you, because they love America. It's because they love themselves. Okay, we'll stay out of government. I don't have a problem. With, I don't have a problem with politics. We'll stay out of government. You just quit passing crazy laws. 
Quit telling us it's okay to kill a baby in a mother's womb. Stop telling us that. We'll stay out of government if you'll stay out of, quit passing these crazy laws that are anti-God. Are y'all here? We'll stay out of government if you would quit passing these crazy laws that it's okay for same-sex marriages to be married. Those are crazy laws. It might be legal, but it ain't right. You know why we're in this fight? It's because you drug us in it with your moral decay. And now you're going to get mad at Anaya because we're telling you you can't reign. Because God's about to do a new thing. There's about to be a shift. I'm going to quit. I got, I got, I, I, well, I got some stuff for next week, Lord. There's about to be a shift. There's about to be a shift. The baby is turning. The baby is turning. There's a turning in the body of Christ. And we're about ready to come out of the womb. And we're about ready to get our feet planted on the neck of our enemies. Come on, Joshua. We're about ready to get our feet up on the neck of our enemies. And our enemies will become like our footstool. It's coming. It's coming. I don't have time to tell it today. I'll do it maybe next week. But when Solomon was established, when he got established on the throne, he said, and we'll read it next week, he said, there's neither adversary nor misfortune all around me. Because my father David, who's a type of Christ, has defeated every enemy. in your Bible. Christ has defeated every enemy. Come on, Solomon. Come on, church. There's neither adversary nor misfortune anywhere around me because my father, David, has already conquered every known enemy around me. Woo! Come on, push on somebody and tell them it's already been defeated. Whatever you're fighting against, it's already been defeated. Come on, lift your hands and give God a shout one time. Come on, let it break. Come on, just let it break in this place.
Come on and give him praise up in this house. Come on, let every hand be lifted and every voice be echoed. Come on, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Where is the Solomon Church? Where is the Bride of Christ? Come on and give him praise for about 30 good seconds. Let it rain. Let it rain. We're going to go, but this, this, y'all just going to have to help me because I made a vow to God. When God called me to preach in 1988, when God called me to preach, I remember my prayer. My wife can validate it because I went to her and I said, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I mean, I'm not even, I don't know nothing about preaching. I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't even know I wanted to preach. But when God called me to preach and the burden began to burn in my heart, I made a vow to God, if you ever give me the microphone and a platform to speak, I will preach like there's no tomorrow. I will pray like everything depends on it. And I will lift your name as high as I can get it up. Come on. Now, this is where I want you to help me. And for now, whatever, however many years we've been full-time ministry, Karen and I here pastoring this church, I'm just being honest. I keep wanting to push back to an old thing. I want to keep going back to something that I know. I want to go back to something that I'm comfortable with. I don't want nobody to cut the umbilical cord because I like the environment that I was in. But God said it's a new day. God said it's a new day. It's not that everything in our past was bad. All we're going to do is we're going to throw it on our shoulder and we're going to march into something new with it. Now, I'm saying that to say this to you. Because I'm, I'm listening. I'm more afraid of God than I am of you, okay? you got to understand that. I love God and I love you, but I'm more afraid of him than I am of you. And God's trying to take this church to a new place. Yes. God's trying to take this church to a new thing. But you are holding us up because you got your hand reached back to something old. You're trying to gravitate to something that we have versus something that God is bringing. Something that God is about to release. Now, for some of you, this is what it's going to look like. For some of you, and I'm saying that honestly because I feel it. I'm telling you, I feel the Adonai spirit. I feel it. For some of you, it means you're just going to have to clap a little harder. For some of you, we're probably going to have to put a leash on you because you already half cocked. And I praise God for it. John Wesley said, I'd rather tame a, a wild horse than try to raise a dead one. For some of y'all, it's going to be just shouting a little bit louder. Just staying a little bit more engaged with what God's doing because the old way is pulling on you, but the new way is trying to be birthed through you. Here's my instructions. It's not where I wanted to end today, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here because it's way past your bedtime. Here's my instructions. When we come up in this house, we don't need to come in here with an old mindset, a former thing. That's right. Because I have to grab this mic every single week. And I'm always amazed how God can outdo himself. I'm not trying to get God to move like he did last week. 
I'm not trying to get God to move like he did three weeks ago. I want God to move in my now. I want God to move in my situation now. I don't need him back then. I need him now. So that means, look at your neighbor, that means you got to get shooken up a little bit. You just got to get shooken. Is that a word? Shooken. Is that a word? You got to get shooken up a little bit. That ain't a word. You got to get, you got to get shooken up. I'm always shook up. I felt like Elvis. You just got to, you just got to have a little bit of shaking going on. Because you know why? You're too comfortable. You like the umbilical cord because it feeds you and you don't have to do nothing. But it's a new day. Yes, it is. And when God's birthing something new, it can't be new if you know it. It can't be new if you've seen it. It can't be new if you heard it. Don't say, well, God's going to do a new thing, and then you gravitate to what he's already done. That ain't new. That's something old. He said, I'm going to do a new thing. Because, see, this is, this is the way I envision church. I envision church where we have to haul people out of here. That's a real nice golf course clap. Thank you. I'm I'm shaking you up, and I'm telling you, I'm doing it on purpose because I feel the Spirit of God more than anywhere else right now. We're going to have to shake some things up. You can't come in here and praise God the way you want to. Because if you praise God the way you want to, first of all, you're out of order. And second of all, you're out of the will of God. Because God gives us instructions on how to praise Him, and it ain't the way you feel like it. Come on. That's right. Say it, Pastor. Say it. It's Valentine's Day. You can tell your lover how you feel about him, but when you serve God, you got to tell him by faith. So here's my instructions. I'm just trying to help some of us because I know we're, we're all locked into a, a, a pattern. The whole purpose of our governments doing what they're doing is so that they can program us. And whether you like it or not, you've been programmed. You've been programmed. You think the way you think because you were programmed to think that way. But when it comes to the things of God, God says, I'll blow your mind. That's right. I'll, I'll throw you out of that box just to let you know that I ain't going to be in your box because I'm going to do something different that you have never seen before. Because here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. We're going to do it this year. We're going to have prayer rallies. Yeah. We're going to have healing services. Yes. We're going to have nights of praise. We're going to do it this year. And I'm going to defy every spirit that says you can't be like that and you can't do that. I'm going to go after everybody that's sick, everybody that needs a healing. I'm going after it with everything I've got. We're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to have prayer services. We're going to have nights of praise. We're going to have healing services. We're going to have it all, and we're going to do it right here in Sugartown because we believe God's going to burst something new. God's going to release a power that the enemy don't know what to deal with. It's going to happen right here. Yes, it is. Adoniah is in the gap, but God's about to pull him down. And he's going to do it through his people. He's going to do it through his church. Come on, everybody in the building, lift your hands. Father, if you want to be included in this prayer, just say it this way. God, if you can use anything, God, if you can use anything 
Just use me. God, if you're going to do anything, do it through me. God, if you're going to have a movement in the earth, move in me. That's your prayer. Just begin to thank God because the anointing is coming your way. The anointing. The anointing. The anointing. Something new, something different. The power of the Holy Spirit. The movement of God moving through our hearts. Come on, will you just let your voice erupt in a, in a prayer and fill this house to a deafening roar? Because it's not a new thing like the old thing. It's a new thing like we've never seen. Can you just lift your voice? Can you begin to cry out for it like you need God? What if he comes tomorrow? What if he comes today? What if he comes in the next five minutes? God, let my heart be ready. Let my life be ready. If you can use anything. God, I surrender my heart. Surrender my life. Everything I am, use me, God. Use anything, Lord. Use me, God. Use me. Use me, God. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Touch my hands and my feet. Touch my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Hey, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Touch my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my hands, Lord, and my Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me if you can. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. habitation today. This is the prayer I want to pray. 
God, where there's been a spirit of indifference, where there's been a spirit of apathy, God, would you break that? The most important thing on the menu is not what we want. It's what you want. And I'm praying this prayer. I'm not praying it at you. I'm praying it over me. God, I don't want to be a part of a generation that has waxed cold in their faith and let a usurping spirit rise and dictate the will of God. I'm just going to ask if you would just pray this prayer, Lord. You don't have to pray it out loud, but just agree. Lord, I pray over this house that we will overcome the spirit of Adonijah and we would firmly be set and established. God, we will rise above the mocking spirits. We will rise above the chatter of our day. God, I pray for a baptism of fresh fire upon your people today. God, that we would so long to abandon ourselves to the cause of Christ. God, we would be shaken as it were to our core. So the only thing that's remaining looks like you. God, that's my prayer over this house. Multitudes upon multitudes are lying in the valley of decisions. God, let us be the answer. Let us be the light. Let us be the city. Let us be the voice. Let us be the people that the world can point to. And God, I come against the spirit of compromise. I felt that praying for you this morning. I felt like there's so much compromise, so much mixture that's going on, swirling around. God, that we would be anointed enough not to give in to it. So we can be that bride. We can be that Solomon that has a heart to build something for you. That has a heart to build a place where you can habitate. Lord, we thank you today. And we give you praise. And we give you glory. Thank you for moving in our hearts. Thank you for touching our lives. And we honor you today. 
and we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everybody together said amen. Come on, amen. Can we just give God a big old great big hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you next week. I'll tell you next week. Here's a little preview. The things of God can be initiated. Not dictated, but they can be initiated. You can initiate God in whatever dimension you want him. We're going to work on that as we break the spirit of Adonai. Amen. Push on somebody. Tell them we're rising. Come on, tell them we're rising. God bless you. Have an amazing day.